Oh my goodness. I'm so excited. 2024 is in full throttle and I'm doing a relaunch of the show I did with founder of the DNA company, Kashif Khan. He's a biomedical explorer, and this is a deep dive on his amazing book, The DNA Way, and his personal story that will really inspire you and inspired him to help us have a window into all the ways we can reverse aging, longevity. And he said, health is a choice. Okay, everyone sit back and get ready to listen to the relaunch. And also thank you, Kashif Khan and your whole team for all you're doing to help everyone achieve their own optimal wellness. And I'm so grateful too for the interview you and I did as well. Thank you. Okay, everyone. Happy New Year. Let's go January. Hi, everyone. It's Dr. Denise. And this is the Embrace Your Neurostyle and Beyond series. And I am so honored and you can kind of hear my voice. I'm smiling. I get so excited when I get to have amazing guests on the show. I've got Kashi Khan here, who's an author, speaker, visionary, entrepreneur, and investor. He's the chief executive officer and founder of the DNA Company, which is a digital health company that uses genetic insights to develop genomics-based health management applications that offer patients and all of us precision health care tailored to their unique biology. Welcome, Kashif. It's a pleasure. Good to be here with you. Oh, I'm so excited. So let me give you a little window into my universe geekiness. Um, the embrace your neurostyle and beyond. The word neurostyle carries a vibrational frequency of hope, well-being, reminds us that we're all such amazing beings. And I've been using this term. And then I also brought it when I spoke in India. I spoke at the Tibetan Medical Society. And everyone just loved the way it was so non-stigmatizing that I have the series Embrace Your Neurostyle and Beyond, which I now have trademarked. And embrace your neurostyle and beyond is defined as we all process and perceive information in our own unique way. And that's biological, psychological, social, cultural, spiritual, and sixth sense intuition. And I'm a believer in the scientific method, but I'm a believer in paradigm progression. And this is why I'm very excited to have you on. So welcome to this series. It's so good to be here. Excited. So I am really thinking, and I was tuning in. I've I've read the beginning of the book, then I jumped around because that's how I like to do it. And I really wanted to let you know, because this is your first time getting to know who I am. And I'm an adult and child integrative psychiatrist. I would say I practice universal medicine that bridges Eastern, Western, holistic health, and new open ways of being healthy. And I want to first just start, I thought you and I have a unique thing in common. We both lost our dads at younger ages than they should have passed away. Right. And I thought it might be nice to honor, say your dad's name, a bit about who he is and how he inspired you. And then perhaps I can do the same and then we can start our discussion. Yeah. So his name was Azur Khan and I only ever knew him as being sick. So as I was growing up, first of all, he was older. Like when I was in my teens, he was in his 60s, right? Oh, and so oh, I didn't know yeah. that. So I only ever knew him as being a heart patient, diabetic, uh, blood pressure issues. And so the reality of poor health 
was really in my face from a young age. Uh, and then he died when I was 17. And he died by trying to heal himself by using supplementation that ended up thinning his blood to the degree where he had an aneurysm. And he was literally talking to someone and collapsed on the floor and he was just gone. You know, um, can well, you say his first name again? Uzzer, A Z H E R, as Uzzer. Okay. Yeah. And I just want to, I'm putting my hand on my heart. I don't know what your belief system is in energy or soul, but I think our ancestors guide us, they inspire us. And I'm very sorry that you lost your father at such a young age, but I feel like he's inspired you to bring your knowledge, your wisdom, your humility to have a better life in ways that. Words can only start to describe. He gave me a foundation of not only seeing the reality of how fragile life is, but also work ethic. Like he pushed me hard on perfectionism around everything I did to the point of do not leave a single grain of rice on your plate, like that level of detail, right? Well, actually, and, that's really important. Can you give us the cultural story in the background? I've read it in the book, but I think it'd be really neat for people to have a window into more of your father and your family's story. Yeah, I mean, South Asian background, so Indian-Pakistani background, which, by the way, I found out ethnically I'm neither of those, but that's how I grew up. Uh, ethnically, Afghani and Kashmiri, which is in northern India. But, you know, this hard work ethic of he came to Canada by himself with nothing and had to build something, which he did, and then he got sick and lost it all. But his brothers, who he then brought over, did really well and continue to do well. And there was that foundation that he built for them that led them to like really, really thriving. And he sort of fell behind because he for, fell into poor health. And you know, it's funny because you mentioned our ancestors can heal us. And what we studied genetically mm -hmm. is the actual science and application of that. There's your genome, your genetics is what version of what gene do I have? So how does my body function? There's all these jobs that my body has to do and the genes instruct each one of those jobs. So depending on the quality of the instruction, I now know how I do that job, right? Then there's your epigenetics, which is those genes and the exact code. It's like an instruction manual up or down regulating their ability because of environmental cues. So for example, you know, if there's fear or if there's hunger or if there's a weird smell or if there's a change in temperature, your body is constantly responding and your genes will change their expression, which is called epigenetics. What we've recently learned is that you can actually express based on your ancestral inheritance. So a, a major example of this is the Holocaust survivors and their grandchildren. The grandchildren who are mostly in the U.S. being studied of Holocaust survivors, it's very clear that their epigenome is expressing trauma. And they are still experiencing it as if they experience it themselves because they inherited it. Their genes didn't change, but their genes are being told, turn this thing up on full volume because we've been through something so impactful that we think you need this tool. And there's actual science behind how we not only heal, but suffer based on our ancestral legacy. And this is what I integrate into the practice of my, my multidimensional understanding in your vision, your journey, your path, 
of finding the the DNA. I want you to tell more about the DNA way and the company, but this bridge of what I would call the linear versus the nonlinear, the Newtonian versus the quantum understanding of the universe, the power of realizing that every word, thought, and action carries a vibrational frequency that can then help us to express our genes based on the choices we make and the self-awareness. So I feel like you and I jumped right in to the heart of the matter, which I love, but I just want you to know part of my process when I am about to receive a new amazing soul and human being is having reverence. So I'm here, I'm in Manhattan Beach. Where are you right now? Toronto, Canada. Toronto. I've got my little cute mug that says love on it. Mm. I have my candle lit in a votif that's got butterflies that reminds me of my father. I read your book, but I read parts of it because I wanted to be more intuitive. I wanted to, you to get to know me and me to get to know you and the science. And I thought we really needed to start with honoring your father and his legacy, his fiscal legacy, his work ethic, but then how he's helping you to not only light up yourself and your family, but to attract scientists, doctors, human beings, entrepreneurs, because we know we have a temporary time in our, what I call our earth costume, right? right? And I think there was a story in your book. Can you tell a little bit of the deep dive vignette of the inspiration of the couple that made it into their hundreds and how that inspired you? Yeah, it was really cool because it was a, a story here in Canada, you know, and <clears throat> really what it comes down to is that I started to understand that health was a choice. And I'm not talking about... Wait, let's say this two more times. I want to really do this. Health is a choice. Health is a choice. We influence our words, thoughts, and actions influence our material DNA and we can thrive. So keep going. Yeah. And and I'm not talking about an innate condition. Like if you're born with a rare genetic condition, okay, you have it. And that that's something that requires treatment. But even then, there's things that we can do beyond what was believed medically. But for the most part... You know, we have a $4 trillion healthcare budget in the United States. 90%, literally 90%, 3.6 trillion is spent on chronic disease, which is not anything that you're born with. It's something that you develop. There's a cause. And if we were to understand the cause, it's not, hey, I have diabetes in my family. No, you have the inability to metabolize starches in your family. You have the inability to deal with insulin in your family. And the food you're now eating is triggering an illness because it's misaligned to your genetic code. And it, so it, I want to do another pause because I like to talk that food is also mind medicine. Mm. And I love what you did in the book. So when you get um, Kashif's book, The DNA Way, he has gray areas within the book where there's some vignettes. And he shared based on his genetic profile of the 22,000 uh, genes that we have, his understanding of uh, neurotransmitters and what his nutrition was more predisposed. Can you give us a little bit of a dive into that since we're talking about that? Yeah, so I didn't know that I don't metabolize starch properly and I have a, a crazy insulin response. And so my South Asian diet, my Indo-Pak diet with rice and naan every day was slowly killing me. And, and you think of it ancestral, but we don't really know what ancestral means. Grandma and grandpa are not your ancestors. Our genetics are a Far quarter back. million years old. Yes. And we only remember modern history, but that's not your full history. And if your full history goes far beyond that. And usually 
it's much closer to caveman habits than it is whatever so you've seen. Can I make you laugh? Because I can't, I love the way the divinity or the science or the super synchronicity of our interview today. Okay. Yeah. So just so you know, I grew up in the Midwest. I'm very blessed. I work for myself. I have adopted my son. I, I swim six days a week. I have a very good meditation practice. I'm creative. And, I, you know, 48 or 49 days ago, I still had body love, but I was asked, my son started like, training like he's like a triathlete he's almost got a six pack and wow. he's like mom let's like really go up on our health i'm like sure and yeah. i was asked and this has to do with the caveman comment i was asked to be on this like doctor paradigm progression carnivore keto show yeah and i didn't want to yet i didn't want to because i am an adult and child psychiatrist and i have this neuro style concept which we'll talk off show that needs to launch but I had been asked to go away and just eat steak for a week. I'm just being really fun now. <laughs> so you get the perfect level of the, I'm on day 47 now, yeah. of literally having a nutrition plan that's based on our ancestors. And I have to tell you, I was looking at your kind of pr propensity towards diabetes, addiction, and yeah. that's very similar. My father got sober when I was, when he was, um, when I was age 11, my dad got sober Right. There's diabetes on both sides of my family, alcoholism, but people get sober. So there's that addiction genetics, which I want you to like totally geek out in a minute, but I'm just being vulnerable. And I was already addicted to doing good in the world. I put service before everything. By the way, just so you know, I have never taken pharmaceutical money. I have not ever had a sponsor on my show. I'm seven years in for a reason because mm. a lot of people don't trust MDs that are Western medicine. They think we're all bought by big pharma. We're not necessarily. And so I just want you to know food is mind medicine. I am day 47 of no carbs, no sugar. I already was leading a healthy lifestyle with swimming, fitness, and gratitude. The clarity of my focus, I thought I was achieving before. I have reached a new level based on tweaking, which, and by the way, we don't have the genetics. I haven't done your testing, but whatever my DNA is and my ancestral DNA is agreeing really well with the caveman diet. So can you yeah. weigh in on all this now? Yeah. So metabolic, poor metabolic health, I should say, is the plague of our century. Yes. That's and the, by the thing. Way, can we also say but poor metabolic, can we say inflammation, inflammation, yes. inflammation? Yep. It, the, of the top 15 killers in the United States, 14 are rooted in inflammation. Yes. So the 15 top ways to die, 14 are this one thing. And why does it trigger from Alzheimer's to cancer to cardiovascular, all these major killers? That's just a genetic question of where is your hardware going to fail first? Right. So it's still rooted in this one thing, inflammation. So if you don't have inflammation, you eliminate 14 of the 15 top killers. And guess what? Yes. The 15th is, it's actually the number three killer is medical error. So it's still you in the medical system with somebody misdiagnosing or prescribing the wrong thing. And that leads to your death. So still rooted in inflammation because that's what got you there to begin with, right? So if you deal with this one thing, which is not a single habit, it's, it's, a, it's a complete change in terms of environment nutrition and lifestyle typically then all of a sudden you've eliminated all these causes of death and then not only are you extending your life it's not just lifespan it's also health span because you're putting 
you're putting life into those years that you've added. So it's quality life. So it's like I'm 100 years old riding my bicycle and playing with my grandchildren as opposed to 65 taking my pills and lying in bed, which is the American average. And that's why yes. I say it's a choice. Yes. Yes. And so your rice and naan, 48 days ago, I was having my little cute Kashi Golden Crunch, which had this little protein and fiber. <laughs> I was eating salads and shrimp. And I just thought, Denise, your little overweight belly, even though you're, you don't have blood pressure, you don't have any of the labs, you're just going to just put your hand on your little belly and say you're curvy, right? Which I am yeah. always going to be curvy. But I thought, no, I wanted to get rid of even greater inflammation and greater adipose because the more inflamed we are. And then I just said, maybe you should just, my son was so inspiring with all of his workouts. He's like Rocky. And then I was asked to go be on these shows. And if I'm going to fail miserably, if I'm not taking scientific method and being a paradigm progression pioneer like you. And so I want to tell you, what's your nutrition? Then I want to go back super geeky in the evolution of your company. But what have been your um, tweaks in your nutrition plan based on knowing your genetics and kind of how, how are you in your thrive right now? So here's one big thing for everybody, and then I'll tell you a little bit more precisely about me, but understanding how little we need to eat if your yes. food is nutrient dense. Yes. So understanding, you know, fuel versus food. And if you can shift to, and this, this is a big comment that comes up for people. Well, I can't afford to eat healthy. Well, that's because you're. I call BS. Thinking, yeah, it is because it, that you're thinking in the context of how much you eat. And yeah, Correct. if you were to replace your four meals a day that are platefuls with healthy food, that's expensive. But when you have nutrient dense food, you really don't need much. Yes. And so I'm having two meals a day. I'm eating less than ever before, but yes. I have more muscle mass than ever before. I have more energy. I don't, I don't, I don't have that lethargy I used to have. But anyways, so that's a big one for everybody, but more precisely for me, I don't, I wasn't doing well with fats or starches. So the APOA. Neither am I. Yeah. And Doesn't a lot it of feel people. good to get, to kick those to the curb. I'm okay with the fat part of the fatty meat that's grass fed, yes. but I'm not okay with, um, yeah. So, so this is important because I have to tell you, I'm really proud that I took, you know, cause everyone had this respect for me, always saw me swimming and I thought, okay, this is just me, but I'm like, no, why don't I see? And it's so interesting that I'm meeting you at a time where I'm day 47 of my own scientific experiment that's working. Yeah. Yeah. And when I went into your chapter about the food is mind medicine and like the addiction genetics, I would love it now because by the way, everyone, Kashif is like, not only is he a serial entrepreneur, very driven by service. He also has taken a complete deep dive, taken Harvard level genetic courses He's attracted a team of intellectuals and people that want to do well. So the year, I just wanted to say, Kashif, I really respect your, your entrepreneur spirit, your wisdom, your humility, and who you're attracting right now and, and what I've read. Oh, thank you so much. I just, it's to me, this is very different than anything I've ever done. It's so purpose driven. There's a big difference, you know, selling things and building a business and having people send you emails saying that. I can walk again. I can get out of bed again. I have well, relationships again. So, so, you know. so, so just so you know, I'm 45,000 hours into being an adult and child psychiatrist, mother and intuitive. 
And I have to tell you, I am a spiritual billionaire. Yeah. Because knowing that someone that I saw that, you know, couldn't face another day on earth, I've got people off their opioids and I've got people that I get off of medicine. Now I take a a very scientific method of open-mindedness that once we know our own unique genetics and have an openness to ancestral DNA, our own holistic health, I'm not against the possibility of prescribing because there's times when people do need a Western medicine. So I've stayed as a Western medicine doctor and I have this reputation of the least amount of meds are no meds, but sometimes there's different tools in the toolbox for different times. And I feel like your company, can you take us on the journey of your company and how sure. people can explore their health blueprint so that they kind of have, do you like the, t- the term universal medicine? I, I've come up with it because I don't feel like what I'm practicing is Western. It's not even Eastern. It's not even holistic. I'm taking it more from a universe, open-minded scientific method of blending all of it. Yeah, I think what you're doing, that's a great way to describe it. I see it as functional, like you're addressing the systems as opposed to the symptoms. Well, let's use that as a very um, like academic, now that we're going to go down this nerd route, <laughs> functional medicine universal medicine, integration, paradigm progression, empowerment, thrive, and wellness. Let's go. Sure. Well, firstly, to the point you made about, you know, there's a time and place for pills. So just understand anyone listening that you you may need that acute response and go ahead and do it, but also understand what the root cause is and don't expect that from quote unquote the system and let me give you an example you mentioned opioids right so opioids Mm -hmm. this is important yeah when you are going to find your doctor whether it's western eastern or both look to see that they're open-minded for all the tools in the toolbox that they encourage you to get the data and that you're your own best healer but they help guide you yes they should be a quarterback in this journey of not only do I need to know what I have, but I need to know why I have it. Yeah. And if they're not willing to get into the why and support that, you're going to have that thing for a long time. Then right? fire and, them. Fire yeah. your doctor. And if you have a doctor that just keeps prescribing and doesn't ever question, are you doing better? Can we get you off medicine? That's a red flag too. Yeah, big red flag. Like, for example, the opioids you mentioned, uh, I think there was just a recent approval for, I believe it's called Narcan to be offered over the counter. Which I think is insane. It's so crazy. So opioids are, I'm in pain, give me something to get rid of the pain. Opioids were originally designed as like for cancer patients who were extreme pain that really needed something. And now it's given out for everything. And we know they're killing people. And the solution for this, you know, major problem for which the maker of them was charged criminally the solution isn't to re-educate, pull them off the shelf, change recommendations. It's like, okay, if somebody is dying from opioid abuse, here's a new drug that saves them called Narcan. Right? So the reason I bring this up is to understand, again, the majority of the system, not all of it, there's some amazing doctors out there, but the majority of the system, they just don't know any different because that's what they're told to do. They're told, well, here's the pill for this. And then if this happens, here's another pill. Right. You know what's interesting? And this goes back to your book. Um, by the way, I don't, I'm, you know, you're just getting to know me, but my process is very science meets intuition. And sure. what you're talking about, this exact example, can I read out of your book? 
Yeah, sure. Okay, so what um, Kashif's talking about, am I trained, just so you know, I think I'm, you know, I'm just a little bit, a little bit, I've got a couple more years on you, not too many. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But a time when I was in medical school, the model was very much really the opposite of taking doctors, taking good care of themselves. And I just opened up serendipitously. This is how I operate. Um, Mm. Calm and chaos. Yeah. The story of Dr. Deepak Chopra has always resonated with and inspired me. Early in his medical career, while practicing in India, he was focused on finding a biological basis for the influence of thoughts and emotions. After immigrating to the United States in 1970, he completed a residency in internal medicine, earned his medical license, opened a private practice specializing in endocrinology, and became chief of staff of New England. In his book in 1991, he talked about the return of the Rishi, a doctor's story of spiritual transformation and Ayurvedic healing. So this is very important. He wrote at the time of a hard-charging immigrant, My days were blurring into nights. I was drinking black coffee by the hour and smoking at least a pack of cigarettes a day. I had acquired a taste for whiskey in the evening. My schedule kept my stomach upset all the time. He then recounts how starting in 1981, he became disenchanted with traditional Western medicine and started more holistic health and healing and turned his life around. And then you shared his was about 35 years old when he began his transformation And since then, he's been known. And then you talked about your story being similar, and you were on a fast track of success, multi-entrepreneurism, and you had this aha moment of looking at yourself in a picture, right? And I think a lot of doctors, and I can tell you, I played soccer. I was, I don't know if you played sports. Did you play any sports? Oh, for you name it, I played it. Oh, I did too. What position did you play? So I played, uh, well, I played a lot of baseball. I skied. Uh, in soccer, I was mid uh, field, and anyways, that list goes on. Was okay, but I was a lifeguard. I was this natural, you know, athlete, built strong. I lifeguarded. Yeah. I coached swim team. I played soccer. I played goalie. But then, just must like many people, when you get in your twenties, it's like dun dun dun, survival of the fittest. Dun dun dun, food, shelter, clothing, and you became the man of the house at age seventeen. Yeah. And you were on the fast track with your uncles of success. And I think a lot of times when we're in that initial growth phase of providing for our families, we're young, we're new, we're trying to prove ourselves to ourselves in an entrepreneur or medical field, a lot of unhealthy habits happen. And yeah. then you kind of get to the point where no matter how much money you have in the bank, if you're not alive, what does that do for me? Right. And yeah. so I think this is a story of many. And I think what I love about your company, which I want you to now take us on the journey, is that it's inspired on health, service, well-being. There's nothing wrong with, and it's very healthy to have material wealth, but how do we have true mind, body, soul, and genetic health? Yeah, that's, uh, it's awesome because it starts with understanding your gen- so the journey I went down, you have to make choices, right? Health is and a choice. Health is a choice, but then what choice do I make? So you start listening to podcasts, and you start watching YouTube videos, and you read magazines, and you start doing things. And like, this person said this worked, but it didn't work for me. They don't know what they're talking about, right? And then you stumble across something, and all of a sudden it does work, and you feel amazing. 
So for me, out of all that stuff I did, years of trying to fix all these problems, the thing that screamed out to me that was like, wow, I wish I knew this on day one, mm-hmm. is that there is an instruction manual in every one of our 50 trillion cells telling our body and every cell what to do. And if you just access that, you know exactly what choice to make. And when it comes to how do I exercise, what do I eat, why does my sister have hormone issues and I don't, you know, why does this person have migraines whenever we go to this building and I don't? So understanding exactly how the body works allows all those choices you have to make to be the right choice the first time. And imagine what would happen if you always made the right choice in terms of your health. That's what I went through. That's what I went through in terms of unwinding gut issues, depression, eczema, psoriasis, um, migraines was the worst part. They were horrible. Uh, and, and now I don't have any of those things. And in fact, Yay. yeah, they're all gone. I, I don't have anything. Oh, yeah. The word had, like I actually had them. I believe they were something that was part of me that I now had to deal with. And that was reinforced by the doctors and the thing that. Well, wait, can I just pause before you keep going? This is very important to the topic of perception. Mm perception is everything yes we all process and perceive our environment in our own unique way biological psychological social cultural spiritual and sixth sense intuition but if we are if we're not mindful in our ingestion and i mean ingestion of our food our media our scientific data encouraged to think for ourselves i think getting out of our own way of awareness i know back in the 80s everything was fat free have your little yeah. hundred calorie. And I was brainwashed. I remember my mom going, Oh, it's fat free. It's good for you. And she really <laughs> thought it was. Yeah. And so my generation of nutrition was atrocious. Every yeah. bit of food choice I was told was healthy was the exact wrong thing for my genetic DNA imprint and blueprint. So I think it's yeah. very important. So keep going. I just wanted to say that perception health as a choice but changing our perception, when someone heard that I was doing this nutrition plan I'm doing, they looked at me. And by the way, I will, this is very important, everyone. Work with your doctor, your health practitioner, and we're going to talk about how you can work with Kashif. But your own unique perception and your own body metabolizes your environment differently, your food differently, your exercise. And that's why I'm so excited to have Kashif here. Yeah. And you're, when you talk about perception, you're talking about perception in terms of what you believe based on what you've been told. Correct. Right? There's also perception of here's the information that was sent out to 10 people and why did they receive 10 different messages? Correct. Right. Correct. So the way the neurochemicals of our brains work, we actually hear and see differently. So what we believe we just experience is different and that's why there's friction amongst people and you yeah. as me as people. Uh, my serotonin pathway is extremely dysregulated, which means that, and this is genetically determined, which means that my brain has a challenge prioritizing stimulus. Everything pokes and prods at me. I notice it all, which is leads to what could be called ADHD, could lead to irritability, but could also lead to, I see the details that other people didn't see. So I do a better job, right? Can so I also depends. smile at something else? Yeah. Because I roll in this environment, remember, 45,000 hours, right? Yes. So I've got yeah. some of the most brilliant minds on the planet. That's why I came up with NeuroStyle 
yes. instead of neurotypical versus neurodiverse, because once you understand your own genetics, you can fly with entrepreneurism. Yeah. So then I you have know. ways to restructure myself throughout the day because the whole world of ADHD, when you're kind of up above yourself, like let's see hunter mode and you're looking at dun, 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 what can yeah. I create today? Dun, dun, dun. You have to have a pathway of knowing your genetics and then you have to have the right habits to implement your own optimal success. Yes. And knowing what you are wired for. We are all, we all have innate superpowers. And the reason we use words like anxiety, depression, addiction, burnout is because we're in the wrong context. If you take a Ferrari off-roading, it's going to break, even though it's a very expensive and beautiful car, right? Well, can I, I actually refer to myself as a Bugatti. Ah, yeah. So there's certain things that I will only do because I know I can go zero to 1,000. Yes. So my neuro style and genetics, I have, like my father told me when I was age 18, you've inherited some pretty wild genetics. So yeah. remember when you're offered a substance or something that maybe you should say no, because he had gotten sober. And I remember just refusing. I've never done ecstasy. I've never done cocaine. I've never done any of that because even after one or two drinks, I see the world and like, like, I'm like, it's like, it's like if you could do a cartoon meme of like where I'm ready to go after that. And so <laughs> I tell people that I make certain choices and I'm super fun. And so I put my energy into swimming. I put my energy into meeting exceptional human beings like yourself and, and doing great shows. And I create my own content. And I, I've read things about, you know, past life regression, um, and there was a thought about Hitler that he had so much creative genius that he didn't get to use. His father didn't let him pursue some of the arts and that he took that and he did something really awful with humanity. So it's really, I want you to weigh in on genetically when we fuel our life experience with the experiences that are going to allow our genetics to thrive. It's like watch and be amazed. Otherwise it can be a disaster. Yeah. So that goes back to the thing we were saying earlier of what my experience, we started talking about perception. So what was the key turning point was when I realized when I would ask, why are these things happening? Not mm -hmm. what are they? Because why did all five conditions all happen at the same time? And I've never been sick before. I must have done something wrong. I must have eaten something wrong. I must have like, what is it? And I couldn't get that answer. Then I understood that that wasn't even a question to ask. It wasn't in the toolkit of the people I was talking to. So that's what drove me to figure it out myself. And like, there's, there's gotta be something wrong. And I started to learn as an example that there's a gene called GSTM1. It's a primary uh, tool in your gut having a first line of defense against toxic threats. So when you're eating food, it may come along with chemicals, pesticides, uh, mold, for example. And you're meant to be able to prevent that from going through the gut tract and entering the bloodstream. I don't have that gene. It's not even about what version. What I'm, I'm missing it entirely. And it's a unique variant called a copy number variation, which most genetic testing companies don't test for because it's a more complex thing to look at. But it means how many copies of the gene did I get? And that is only possible in certain genes. Most of them, it's just a this version or that version, but actually missing it isn't possible. So I don't have that gene. I don't have this first line of defense in my gut. And so what I was eating, working downtown, having lunch meetings every day with seed oils and, you know, quick food and whatever, it wasn't suitable for my body. And my business partner, who was also at those lunches, didn't have a problem. 
because he has an extra copy of this gene. Copy number variation also means you could have more of them. So he had this super, you know, stainless steel resilient gut that can take beating. <laughs> yeah. Okay, keep going. I love the fun and, things for us to visualize. Keep going. Yeah. And so, and then mine was like papyrus, paper thin, right? Mm -hmm. So now, uh, second line of defense, GSTT1, once the stuff gets in, you have to be able to clear it. I also didn't do that so well. I was not down to zero, but it wasn't the best it could be. So it was no wonder that my habits, my choices around food, even what I thought was clean and healthy. I'll give you a simple example. I, was, I used to eat at this Lebanese place regularly when I would have like lunch with clients mm -hmm. and I would eat hummus and I thought, hey, I'm eating something healthy. Sounds like me with my Kashi Golden Crunch. I felt so proud yeah. of that little cereal box. Keep going. Yeah. And what I didn't realize is that in order to get hummus in downtown Toronto, chickpeas were shipped from somewhere else in the world. And then they were processed into this thing that looked like hummus. And in order to do this quickly and profitably, chickpeas get dried with a chemical. And that chemical uh, allows it to be, you know, harvested, shipped f faster, and then they soak them and then get them into the, what they need to be. And that chemical is a potent, potent toxin. And wow. when you do tests, you know, when a, a, a big food or big chemical company will say, well, we've tested this and there's no problem, you know, because evidence-based research, which is, hey, let's run, use this on a thousand people and 800 will be fine. Yeah, because 800 of them didn't have my genetics. And I was part of that 200 that didn't do so well that was chalked off to some kind of anomaly. It's not an anomaly. It's me. It's who I am. I can't eat that stuff. I don't have the ability to clear those toxins. And now, imagine knowing this about every little job that your body does. How do I deal with airborne inhalation-based toxins that I breathe, like mold and chemicals? I'm actually doing quite well there. But some people aren't. And we've dealt with families where I can tell you a particular family where the mother was diagnosed with Lyme disease and was taking medication with Lyme disease and the rest of the kids were fine and the, the husband was fine and it just got progressively worse and worse. So we came in and, and took a look and what we realized is she didn't even have Lyme disease. What she had was zero inhalation-based uh, first-line defense and they had recently done a renovation where they broke their kitchen apart and they had a mold problem in their home. And she was responding to the mold and only she was responding because the kids all got dad's genetics around inhalation-based toxins and they could handle it. Right. So that one so little... when you're giving this to me in the story, I'm creating a really fun little cartoon and I mm. don't know what kind of a fun little marketing you have for your company, but my, this is just a little insight to my entrepreneur creativity. I'm picturing you and your team all dressed in like Ghostbuster outfits. <laughs> with your DNA packs, like dun, 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 and going into a home and like, like almost like little cute cartoon bubbles above everyone's head and like can handle this toxin, cannot handle, and just giving people a visual of how complex it is for each human being to process their environment based on their DNA and how it inner. And then I also see the infinity loop of our genetics plus our environment. So Keep yeah. going with the story, but I just want you to know how I visualize this because not everyone gets it. Sometimes we lose people's attention span when they just hear words. But yeah. So that's another thing about sensory perception, right? Our genetics are gifted in different areas of sensory perception. 
For sure. And that and the ability to actually stay focused for me, that's difficult because my neurochemical clearance is very quick. So when it I comes understand. to you're a smarty yeah. pants, I get it. You're like, okay, <laughs> tell it to me in one line. That's why I try to do like stop, drop and roll things. Like I want to make memes of every show because <laughs> like the, the human attention span is so short these days, right? It's almost like you yeah, for sure. like ADHD for- entrepreneur charades. Yeah, would I mean the our we live on social media, which is teaching us to have short attention spans. Okay, so but that's a win. Can you keep going through some other great wins based on the some of the DNA and the and the process? Or do yeah. you want to take us through the process of what it's like when someone comes to yeah. your team? Even in that same family, and then then I'll tell you about the process. Even in that same family, <clears throat> one of the daughters uh, was having a lot of challenges with menstrual cycle, mood, anxiety. Um, and the others weren't, and the family was very athletic and, and active. And this mm-hmm. one daughter had weight issues, wasn't the same, couldn't ke- keep up. So again, you chalk that up to is like, let's look at her diet. She doesn't exercise enough. Why is she not able to get nice ripped muscles like the rest of the family? Right. Right. So what we learned with her was her hormones. And this again, genetically predeterminable. We can look at your Hormone cascade, the way you make hormones, what quality they are, how you clear them. She was highly estrogen dominant. So whether you're a man or a woman, you do the same thing. Progesterone becomes testosterone, becomes estrogen, and then you get rid of it. And you first convert it into a metabolite. Some some are good, some are bad, some are toxic. Um, And so in her case, she really filled that estrogen bucket heavy. The, the genes around driving that process were super fast. And oh. so she just made, made too much estrogen. And what does estrogen promote? It promotes a much curvier figure. It promotes the storage of fat, you know, fertility, because that's really a, 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 an important need around a mother who, again, based on our caveman ancestral traits where food was scarce, storing fat was important. Yes. The estrogen dominant woman was actually... It, it highly benefited her in that context. Yeah, it's like a warrior goddess build. Yeah, yeah. So now all of a sudden, why do I look and feel different? It's not. It's no lack of work or effort. You're not designed to look like that. You're, you're designed to look like this and embrace who you are and be the best version of that instead of struggling for a goal that's misaligned. Or if that is your goal, I want to be a Kendall Jenner runway model. I want to look very thin and more androgenized, as we call it, more testosterone driven. Well, then we know how to intervene. There's supplements that can slow that estrogen pathway down. There's things that are called aromatase inhibitors that slow down the conversion of estrogen. And you can very safely and cleanly do exactly what your body needs as opposed to struggling for years and years and nothing works. It doesn't matter how much I run on the treadmill. You know, It's just one thing. Since this is something I um, just want to say, relates to you and I making different food choices. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm very blessed with that kind of goddess curvy figure. And just so you know, I did uh, as a doctor, I was asked in 2018-19 to represent a Lomi lingerie as the health expert on body positivity and living limitlessly. But for me, that also meant living healthy. So I didn't want to be promoting obesity. And by the way, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to obesity because I've carried extra weight on my body, but I wanted it to be like, how do you embrace your actual external looks while you're on your own health path? And then to me, the DNA 
your the DNA way and your company allows people to have an understanding. And this goes back to nutrition. I always will have curves and I love my curves, but I'm also very strong and athletic. I do right. think though, our food as mind medicine, like your whole approach, my understanding of your approach is good sleep, holistic health, know your DNA, and try to do as much healing with nutrition in our environment. And then we can think about those other higher levels. I feel like we're living in a society. I ha- I'm going to just be a little bit edgy here if this is okay. One of my dear friends, and I would never say her name, is obsessed with that real slender look, which is great. We're in Hollywood. I live in LA. And she's like, oh, I'm on Ozempic. And I know she didn't qualify for Ozempic. So she paid the big bucks for Ozempic. Yeah. And I was already happy in my bright yellow bathing suit, definitely having male suitors. I'm strategically single. And I just thought, okay, I'm going to, there's no freaking way, by the way, he's a little healthy. I'm going on Ozempic. I'm going to just look and see if there's any nutrition thing I can do. So I'm, I just want to say with that aroma taste, what's the knowledge on like more of a high protein, your geeky universal genetic knowledge of maximizing your own DNA based on nutrition before you go down the Ozempic, go down the, the other Western med choices. Cause I'm, I'm a complete, I'm so glad I stayed Western MD but I like doing everything else besides prescribing a pill. Yeah. I guess there's firstly the line between obesity and body type. And these get confused. And, you know, a woman of your figure, this is your natural state and it's healthy for you. And that being labeled as a weight problem, that's very different than obesity. Obesity is not a healthy place to be. Obesity is a root cause of many chronic diseases. So that is a thing that irrespective... Thank you so much because that's a myth buster. And I'm working with my doctors like, Denise, like you look great. He's like, your blood pressure is great. I said, yeah, "Yeah, but I want to go even further because my son looks like a supermodel right now. And he's like, mom, we got to look good together in pictures. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm like, okay, dude. And he's always training. So I'm just taking my own little fun, more optimal health. But then I just wanted to be vulnerable with you because I think this, the audience relates to us better. Right. My genetics yeah. and my neurostyle are very high achieving, creative, entrepreneurism, and I can get too much perfectionism. Yeah. And so I've worked on the concepts of adaptive versus restrictive perfectionism. And a lot of people that have eating disorders or body dysmorphia or health issues that maybe are eating good nutrition, but don't like their external and they're working hard at it. I think you need to have a balance of good mental health because you don't want to go too far into judging yourself too far into overly weighing yourself. You want to have a healthy weight. You want to have anti-inflammation, low blood pressure. But if your neurostyle is highly driven and perfectionistic, you've got to be careful because that restrictive perfectionism doesn't allow you as much happiness and joy. And I think everything that your company's doing is not only for understanding your genetic blueprint, but for having inner peace and actual true joy. Yeah. And it starts with what you're saying. There isn't a patient that we work with clinically that we first don't start with mood and behavior and perception. Because if we don't, if they don't understand how they think, and if we as coaches don't understand how they think, it's very hard to prescribe and build a plan because now all of a sudden, hey, go do this. Does that mean they're going to do it at 50% and flake out? Or does it mean they're going to do it at 150% and burn out? 
And if we understand how their brain works, we can then, and they also understand, we can guide them through the process with precision and actually get the outcome. And this is where a lot of people, it's, it's exactly what you said. A lot of people get stuck and this is where they fail is their perception and how they think. So we start there. So then, I just want to say this is very important. I've been talking about this and it's going to be one of my, I actually entitled a show. Perception is everything. And let's pair that with health is a choice. How do you like that? That's it. That's the very next step. So perception is step one. Who are you? How do you think? And how do people perceive you also is important because it, it helps you understand how to work with your peers and family. Then it's the health is a choice part. Now that I know who I am and how I'm going to do this, what do I have to do? Well, there's two steps to that. Well, there's three steps, actually. Step one is through your genome, you understand what all the red flags are. Here's the jobs that my body doesn't do well. So this is what I need to prioritize. It's not here's a gene that tells me I have an 80% chance of Alzheimer's. That that interpretation of genome of the genome is, I think, outdated. It's more, here's a job that doesn't functioning well, so it could lead to many problems. So let me focus on this job. Step two is now that I know the job that's not doing well, here's the epigenetic choices, the environment, the nutrition, and the lifestyle inputs that are good for this and that are bad for this. And using me as an example, my red flag is I'm missing the gut gene. I'm not yet talking about a disease, although that can lead to Alzheimer's, it can lead to irritable bowel syndrome, it can lead to leaky gut, it can lead to inflammation, it can lead to many things, but all we're talking about is the job. Job is my gut doesn't talk, he talks very well. Now I need to look at my environment, nutrition, lifestyle choices, which I need to eat the foods that don't cause the problem, and I need to add some supplements that help me detox, and I have to probably reduce my cardiovascular exercise so that there's less things I have to recover from. So environment, nutrition, lifestyle, right? Then the third thing, now that I've laid out my individual roadmap, I know what's wrong. I know how to fix it because I've identified the habits. I actually have to do it. And that's usually where people fail. It's easy to take a report and say, thank you. I learned a lot. It's much more difficult. Thank you very much, but I don't know how to do this. Well, yeah. I don't have the inspiration. I'm not there yet. There's a pre-contemplative yes. phase for everyone. I remember when I was asked in December to go to Costa Rica, because everyone's like, you're so engaging. We want you on shows. I wasn't ready because my son, I don't know how old you're, how, do you have children? Yeah, uh, five, seven, and 13. Okay, so my son is 14. Mm-hmm. And he was at this new phase where he was, all the girls were loving on him. And I'm like, ah, so I needed to make sure I was a good parent so there's also times when you have to go in your pre-contemplative for your own new health plan. And you yeah. have to almost clear the human mind and body. Sometimes if we have so much stress, we have to divide the plan. So once you get your, you're at step three of how do you do it? I think people are at different stages of awareness. And then they're also, sometimes it can feel overwhelming for people to make lifestyle changes. And I would yeah. say, keep going on this, but don't you think people need to, if they're not ready yet, they might be ready in a month. Yeah. It, yes. So there's uh, how do I get going? And then uh, and there's how do I make it stick? Yeah. So we didn't claim to be experts there. So we worked with a gentleman named Dr. BJ Fogg. He wrote a book called Tiny Habits. Mm-hmm. Um, he runs the Stanford U- University Behavioral Change Lab. So he's a guru when it comes to how do you actually get people to do stuff, right? And we showed him, here's all of what we know. How do we get people to do it? And so we built these reports with him where it has to be 
first of all, there, 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 there is some science on how to, in what frequency it should be laid out, what are the steps for it to be permanent, but also at what level, meaning that it should read so easy that it's almost like while I'm reading it, I already knew this and you didn't need to tell me this because it was written in language that was so easy that it's that intuitive. Mm-hmm. And so there's these phases we take people through where, first of all, just identify the habit. Step one, what are you even trying to do? Because even just thinking about it allows your brain to start working towards the thing you said, like, oh, there's something new for me to do. And based on different people's brains, there's some people that can do that very quickly. There's brain-derived neurotropic factor, BDNF, determines how efficiently you develop new neural pathways. And we can determine genetically where you rank and some people need to take it slower they ha- they need to learn experientially they just they can't just pick it up and go some people will that, just by the way by the way what you're talking about is another use for the word neurostyle when right. you do that and you're telling people well your neurostyle might want to do this in a month or mm. like if someone's about to go on a date and they're afraid or they don't like loud places the word neurostyle allows someone to have an, a higher level of conceptualization conceptualization that's non-judgmental. So I think when I'm giving these plans to people, you know, just because you, it's going to take you three months when you do it in three months, you might actually make your plan stick. So everyone's unique processing. So it's so neat to think about all these different flavors of genetics, right? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Okay. So identify habits. Yeah. Identify. Mm -hmm. And I'll kind of go through it quickly, but it's, it's, we will spend nine weeks with somebody to take them from start to like, I now do this. So it's identify a habit. It's design the habit. So I might say, I can't sleep at night. And I might understand genetically that my circadian rhythm or my internal clock doesn't work. So I need to turn the laptop off a little earlier because the blue light disrupts my brain. For some people, that's not a problem. For some people, it is. So identify habit. I need to turn my laptop off. And all I've done is spent a week thinking about that just so I can start normalizing in my brain that this is a thing I have to do. Then it's design the habit. How do I actually turn my laptop off? Okay, maybe I'm going to set an alarm on my phone at 9 p.m. And that allows me to make sure I do it. So I've now designed the habit. And the second part of the design, maybe there's a drawer in a washroom where I stick my laptop so it's not even tempting me. It's far, right? Habit design. Then it's scaling the habit. Okay, I've, I've done this. I've started doing it for a week and it's it's sticking. I'm doing it. And I've only done one thing. That's all I'm trying to do, just to learn how to design and implement a habit. Now I'm going to scale it. Scale it means I might take it to my workplace. Or I might also ask my spouse to do it. Or I might not only turn off the laptop, but I'm also turning off Netflix. And I'm buying some blue light filter glasses, right? So I'm I'm taking that idea of no blue light and scaling it in, in any direction that's easy for me to do. Then you start over again. And, you know, in step one, when, when, when you identify the habit, you're usually picking the easiest one, which is where you should start. That low-hanging fruit, something that's easy to do that you know you'll do. Step four is do it over again with something that was more challenging, which is I'm going to cancel my cable. Or I'm going to, you know, get a sauna because that will boost my BDNF. And which helps me sleep better and fix my circadian rhythm. So a more difficult habit, which is not what you would pick on day one. And you go through steps one through three again. Sounds like cognitive. Um, so first of all, I want to elevate and celebrate um, the steps you just took as a, an adult and child integrative psychiatrist practicing. 
cognitive behavioral reframing. And then there's also dialectical behavioral training and then the mindfulness. And we're living at such an exciting time for humanity because people like yourselves and your team that are elevating the celebration of know your genetics. Mm. First of all, let's just go through some nice academic reframes. Perception is everything. Health is a choice. You look at your genome. You look at your epigenetics, which is your own ability to turn on the switch of your own optimal genetics. And you set up your lifestyle plan of exercise, holistic health, nutrition, and you have to implement it. So then Kashif just want to deep dive in some steps, which identify habits, design the habit, scaling the habit, and then do it over and over again. Correct? Yes. Okay. Correct. So I want to go ahead. Sorry, two more steps. Oh, one is okay. Yeah, two more. And these were these ones are interesting because they're not uh, they're not intuitive around the actual habit itself. The fifth one is I need to go from um, I'm doing this to identity change. I I it, it starts from hey I, I'm going I started going to the gym to I work out. So how do you know you've actually done the job is when you when you have a true identity change, when it's part of who you are, you're no longer trying. It's it, it it's it's identity. I do this. This is who I am. Well, let me give I, you an example. There's a yeah. doctor that's going to be in her, that's going to her show is going to pop before yours. And her name's Dr. Lisa Wideman. And mm. she's been doing carnivore for 14 years. Then mm. she completely changed her whole DNA but the way she lets everyone know that she's an optician by training and does that, but on social media, she calls herself the carnivore doctor. So to right. me, that's a, a very concrete identity change. That's identity. Yeah. yeah. So it's going, going from, hey, I'm eating less meat to I'm a vegan. Correct. That's a bold statement to make to your friends and family. And that's yeah. identity, right? So, and then the last step is going from implementation to advocacy, which is you're now changing the people around you that this habit is so much a part of you that your spouse, your kids, when you go to mom's house for Christmas, she already knows what food to prepare because you refuse to eat what you used to eat. Right. So when it gets to the point where the people around you start changing and you become an ambassador for that habit, there's no going back. You're, you're a new version of yourself and you're also doing good in this world by changing others. Kashi. Yeah. Okay, I'm having a moment of smiling, and <laughs> I talk about awareness, self-love, and altruism yeah. as the universal truths for mental health awareness. I talked about this in India, and mm. I'd like to make things just like you did wonderful with your steps. When we're little kids and we catch on fire, we all know stop, drop, and roll. Right. And I think when we set up habits, word choices, action items and they we get to that let's go through it because i think it's important for everyone's neurostyle identifying our habits design the habit scale the habit do it over then you have your identity then you become an ambassador so that is awareness self-love and then altruism and i want to take a moment because i believe that on our pathway we started out the um show honoring your father but you've met some brilliant geneticists and your team. Can we take a moment? I always talk about gratitude's my secret sauce and being grateful in this moment because I believe you're at the advocacy and ambassador 
who are your team of, I know there's so many and it'd be like, if you're up on stage, like an award ceremony, but can yeah. you um, just give us a little insight into your like DNA company dream team and, and just a little bit more about the process of how people can access your services. Yeah. So um, this, this way of thinking around functional interpretation of the genome, which is moving away from this gene means this and this gene means that, which mm -hmm. only leads you to vulnerability mm -hmm. versus here's how the body works. Now, what multitude of genes do I need to look at? The polygenomic, let's say, view, right? Yes. That came from a guy named Dr. Mansoor Mohammed that I was blessed with. He just happened to be in Toronto. He was sitting here doing this research, working with clinic uh, patients one by one by one. Wait, when did uh, you meet him? What day and what were the circumstances? This was um, in late 2016 in the circumstances where I just finished my call it first part of the healing journey, got stuck, started working with a friend named Dr. Bryce Wild, who is a well-known homeopath in Toronto, but he's like a, he's like a mini Dr. Oz of Canada. So he's always on media talking about health and wellness. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what his main time you like he that's what he does most of his time mm -hmm. uh, and he introduced me to Mansoor and that led us to well I've already started this journey I need to use your genomics to heal myself and now that I've been through it this is so impactful that I also need to focus on it like how do I bring this to other people and that went from research to a product to layman like myself understanding that the reason why this wasn't in everyone's hands is because somebody from outside of the industry had to rebuild the product from their perspective so that it was easy to use. Up until what we launched, genetic interpretation was go get a test. You get a document that is in a different language that even if you went to your doctor, they don't understand. And then you had to hire a PhD to interpret it for you. And five PhDs would tell you five different things. And it, it went from that to, I, as a layman with no formal education on this, can speak for as many hours straight as you want on any health topic because it's become so much easier to uh, interpret and implement. Um, and that's where we had to bring it to. And this was something that was brought to me. One of the most powerful moments in our call it product design was there's a company in Canada called Rogers, which is our one of our big telecom equivalent of like an AT and T mm -hmm. Verizon. Right? Um, there's their chief digital digital officer, uh, this guy named Jason, who was one of our patients in our research phase. He he called me to his home. His his son is autistic, and I was helping him with that with his son and his wife. Um, and he sat me down and said, "What you guys are doing is incredible and can change the world." And the one thing that's missing is you need to make it easy to use. He said, if you do that, there's nothing from changing this entire healthcare industry from becoming a new, uh, the healthcare, uh, sorry, what he was saying was not the industry, but the healthcare model going from reactive to preventative. And that stuck with me. And that's when we we took all our reports and threw them in the garbage and completely redesigned it in a way where if I show it to you today and you have zero knowledge on genetics you understand it on day one that actually echoes the idea of the different simplicity of universal truths of awareness self-love and altruism so designing something 
that's as easy once people look at it that can reach the masses of all different educational backgrounds and neurostyle of literally being lit up with a stop, drop, and roll. They look at it, yeah. they get it. And that's what's tricky because we're living in a world with multimedia, multi, and also we're also coming out of the pandemic where there's a lot of mistrust for people telling us what to believe and not to believe about meds and vaccines and everything. So I think this brilliance of what you're doing is fantastic. And I know I want to be respectful because you and I have an hour of your time, but I was thinking um, with humility and gratitude, maybe we could do a part two sometime in the next three weeks on a deeper dive on all the different genes and what they mean, because I want to let you know this is very, very humbling. And I'm not even going to use a diagnostic label. I adopted my son at birth mm. and my own son, who's very genetically blessed with good looks. He had huge sensory perception challenges. And I knew the birth mom's side of the history, by the way, she's doing fantastic now. She, um, you know what I'm just going to say without going into specifics, just to protect her. She had a lot of addiction genetics um, on the maternal side of the family, her mother was adopted and there's two generations of suicide completion, um, wow. diabetes, high blood pressure, but highly intelligent family of her. My son's birth grandma's a nurse, birth grandpa's an engineer. We've got lawyers on the other side, the birth father, we know some stuff. So I just want you to know, I'm really walking the walk, um, not only as an adult and child psychiatrist, but I adopted this beautiful soul who I've had yeah. since birth. And then I didn't want to ever shame him. This is very important. I'm a walking, living, breathing, embrace your neurostyle and beyond as a mother and as a doctor. But my own son looked at a video of himself when he was just even three years ago or five years ago. He goes, Mom, I have transformed. Yeah. And he's off all Western medicine. And I'm not against it because he has high energy in this. And he, that was a temporary tool. But I moved to the right home environment, the swimming, the working out. He's at a specific school that understands his ADHD, his dysgraphia, his sensory perception. I'm also strategically single because he really needs me to help guide him because he is thriving as an entrepreneur mind. But yeah. I'm like living and walking the walk outside, just like you with your niece, helping her through the time she was having her issues, which maybe you could share. So I just wanted yeah. to say that for me, the embrace your neurostyle and beyond and that I feel like one of the biggest things I need to do for the world, because I have many, you know, understandings as a doctor, is how to make something simple. Embracing your neurostyle and beyond allows a functional medicine, universal medicine, and it teaches people right by saying embrace your neurostyle and beyond, that we have the ability to change, that we have the ability to have awareness, self-love, because you have to start with perception before you can implement the steps, even if you've got the best blueprint. So I'm so excited. Number one, I want to do a deeper dive even beyond your book of looking at your product. Number two, I'd love to have you back on the show. Number three, any way I can help what you're doing. And number four, anything else you want to cover before we, we finish this meeting? Yeah. First of all, it was a real pleasure speaking to you. This was an awesome discussion. And I feel like it's like we need 10 more shows because there's so much more. We just hardly scratch the surface. Well, just so and you know, I actually got that intuitively. I don't know what your process is, but I want to tell you that everyone knows this, that I spend probably 60 to 90 minutes a day in the pool. Wow. And I call it laps of love. 
and I use it to do my own cellular DNA healing. I dedicate different laps to prayers. I send people love from a distance. I also come up with entrepreneur ideas. And I, with humility, I am a single mom and being a mother is my most gratifying thing on the planet. And my son and I are very close. And I've set up an army of angels of people I've interviewed so that when he's now he's older, just so you know, Kashif, he used to not be able to go on a plane without being afraid. Wow. And now my son's traveling. He went to a movie premiere with me. He has almost a six pack. He has an entrepreneur mind. He's off all Western medicine. If he ever needs it, we'll consider it. He's at the right school. I'm about to go to a mother and son tea this afternoon And he already told me, please don't talk about girls and don't talk about my workouts. I'm like, okay. (laughs) So I just want to let you know that I got intuitively before you and I did this show that I'd love to set up another call with you off show. And um, I'm really blessed. I do produce my own show and it reaches people any way I can help interview different people or anything that we can design for 10 shows or mini shows to help get the word out. I would be, it would be an honor. No, it was amazing talking to you. And yeah, I'd love to do this again. And, you know, to your question about what else to tell people, it's when I look at whether it's your son, myself, my niece, um, all these stories of healing, there's there's always a place where someone gets stuck. And the threats today are very different than what we are medically equipped for. So first of all, we're living we're living longer yes. than ever before, but we haven't yet figured out how to maintain health in those additional years. Yes. Right? So we, we've extended our life without any tools being given to anybody on how to maintain the, the, the God-given health you were born with. And so everyone is sick as they age, and now it's getting younger and younger and younger. So then we have to ask, well, why? What are the threats? And I would say the two big ones are our environmental exposures and our food. I agree so with if, you. Yeah. So if, if you take anything away, whether you have your genome sequence or whether you're changing your habits or doing anything, at least do these two things. Understand that everything you expose yourself to, whether it's the pesticides in your lawn, whether it's your dry cleaning, whether it's your mattress that may be memory foam, you know, whatever it is, you're breathing this stuff in. Your DNA was designed for a caveman who never was meant to be near that stuff. And you are not ready, you're not equipped to deal with it. And you're living for much longer, which means there's much more maintenance required in order to be healthy at that, at that later stage. Same thing is true of food. What, ha- what has happened to our food from we had 10,000 grains. So now there's only a handful that are all glutinous because they're, they're fun and cheap and easy to eat, mm-hmm. you know, and now you can't eat the thing that used to be a staple to like, everything comes out of a bag that's made out of plastic to everything has chemicals to make it look better to even something as simple as garlic. I was just looking at yesterday is bleached and treated with chemicals to disinfect it that are all neurodegenerative, right? So understand food supply is no longer nutrition supply. It is not nutrient dense. It is not the the primary consideration isn't how good it is for you. It's how it's how marketable it is. And so take charge of these two things. If if you do nothing else, spend time. It's not you're not even being asked to spend money. You know, spend your time and learn. Find better sources and and remove exposures and completely will change your life. Then 
if you want to dig a little deeper, yeah, get your genome sequence, start doing gut microbiome testing, start understanding supplementation. Like, let's add on and make it even better, right? I want to compliment you, and I want to infinity loop this back to the audience, that remember, you are your own healer, and you have your own answers. You have to ask the right questions. Remember, right. in this journey of this getting to know Kashif Khan, he asked the right questions. When the doctors weren't giving it, he went on his own quest for his own perception, his own neurostyle, his own environment, his own food. And now we have the genetics and the science and pair it with that. So you're exactly where you need to be. And there's a lot of answers. Question all of them and then go back to yourself. How do you feel after you eat a certain food? If you're blessed to go and get this genetic um, testing and do this at this level, fantastic. Um, Kashif, I am so honored and grateful. And by the way, I started out by bringing your father into it. I just want to say that my father, John, passed away at age 67. My right. father um, was very fortunate at age 36 to beat his own genetics with alcoholism. But what mm. happened was the doctors just looked at his liver enzymes and they were always elevated because he had fatty liver from being overweight, but also from the past use of substances. So right. unfortunately, my father would have lived longer had, and we didn't press any lawsuit charges or anything, had they would have done an ultrasound, they would have found out he had liver cancer. So he did turn around his genetics, but then he didn't have the right follow-up of medical care. So it's like, I think it's a medical error. He could still be alive, right? Yeah. But I will thank my father in the sense that when he conquered his own alcoholism, it really, I went to meetings with him. There's this thing called Alateen. And I learned how to be like really non-shaming, learn that everyone might have genetics or habits. And I think my dad's in my own current lifetime family experience has made me the human I am, more humble, more tolerant, and just... So I just want to thank your dad, my dad, all of our ancestors, and all of the paradigm progression pioneers that allowed you and I to have this talk today. Oh, that's that's beautiful. And it's great to honor that. Thank you. Where can everyone reach you? Um, so the book is at thednaway.com. So I love the that. And you can, and that's the name of the book, you know, so you can go there, we'll connect you to retailers, but there's also some video and some stuff if you want to learn. Um, the company, the testing is at the dnacompany.com uh, and it's called the 360. The last thing I would say is I am a big proponent of just putting out, like what we just talked about food and environment, like people don't know what where to start. So yes. my Instagram Almost daily, we're putting out a video about things you, you just need to know about. Oh, great. Uh, that you probably don't. So it's it's not my full name. It's K-A-S-H, Cash Con, K-H-A-N, sorry, official. So Cash Con official. Uh, there, you'll get a daily. Cash Con official? Yeah. Okay, great. We're constantly daily. The, the entire purpose is just to warn people, educate people. Uh, promote good habits on everything that can give you longevity. So there's there's a lot of new there. Okay, fantastic. Um, thank you for our time today. And 
I will um, be honored to have you back on and help in any way I can. And um, thank you everyone for listening and happy Mental Health Awareness Day every day. And thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. This was amazing. Thank you.